When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 55 shots and no goals in two games. Two consecutive home defeats takes it to three losses from the last four matches. There are plenty of other condemning stats on a really poor week for Manchester United. Are new questions being thrown up? No, not really, but the same ones remain unanswered and often unanswerable. People have different opinions on United at the moment, on Solskjaer as well, and on individual players, because it's really impossible to have consensus when there's such inconsistency persisting for so long. So that's what we're talking about today. Welcome back to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 7, Episode 8 with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate as always. It's a big week coming up for Solskjaer and the team. Beat Villarreal in the Champions League on Wednesday night and Everton in the Premier League on Saturday. And this last week will look like a small stumble in an otherwise decent enough start to the season. Lose one of those games or both and things could snowball into a worrying direction at a worrying pace. Jack, I think the truth about this game was I came away from it having watched it in the stadium and thought we should have converted our chances there. I, I then watched the analysis after or on the highlights and there's, there seemed to be a general idea that Villa had played really well and were fully deserving. I didn't really feel that in the game, even though they obviously create a lot of chances. But for United, it, it felt okay. The problem was, and I actually think it, the, the defeat came down to fine margins again. As, and that's the problem is, we said that so many times last season, fine margins. Sometimes we came out on the good side of that, sometimes the bad side. The point this season was that we can no longer rely on fine margins if we want to be successful and we shouldn't have to rely on fine margins with the three brilliant players that we've signed. And the problem against Filler was similar mistakes. It's consistent mistakes and inconsistent results and those things go hand in hand, obviously. They, they, they are very much linked. Yeah, I think we used the word sustainable a lot on the podcast last season when we were talking about United sort of getting away with poor performances. We said that, you know, we kept especially away from home getting away with these performances or we didn't play our best but fine margins seem to go our way and you simply can't do that for too long in the Premier League it just isn't sustainable and I think we're now this week at least have started to sort of see the, the opposite side of that this was a game of fine margins you know there is there's another universe where you know we convert an early chance and we run away with this game 3-4-0 yeah. then there's also another universe where Villa convert one of their early chances and and also one of the maybe four that they had in the last 10 minutes. And, you know, this looks like a 3-4-0 win for Villa. And it could have been 3-3. You know, there was, this game could have gone so many ways because it was so so open. And I don't think this game alone, it, I don't think it changes too much about how you feel about this United team. Because quite frankly, it was the same performance that we've seen probably 25 times over the last year, yeah. year or so, going back to the start of last season. United created a lot of chances. We also 
concede a lot, a lot of chances to the other team. We didn't have control of the game in midfield. And there were periods in the match where we just drifted, especially yeah. after half time from about 47, 48 minutes until about 65. You felt like United barely, Villa were almost playing in a training, in a training session at times. That's how it felt because United just had no presence on the pitch. We were very passive. We played well in pockets. I tweeted after about 15, 20 minutes saying that we, we had started quite well and we're playing some really good stuff going forward. But that's mixed in with these periods of of just drifting through the game and still conceding too many chances at the back. And it and came that, back to bite us. It's exactly the same as the West Ham game in midweek, which we won't talk about in, in yeah. such specifics. But these two games, United have played really well in periods. And, and there was a period in the Villa game, I think, before they scored. I'm trying to work out what kind of minute, probably 65 to 75, but I could be wrong on that because I didn't have a, uh, I wasn't watching the, the clock tick up and worrying about it. But United were playing some really nice football. The touches were good. The passes were good. The movement was good. A lot of chances being created. And there was a decent flow of pressure onto the Villa goal, only being stopped by Martinez's very consistent time-wasting, which somehow didn't get pulled up at any point in the game. It was infuriating as a United fan, and I'm sure absolutely delightful if you're a Villa fan. But there was a good period and the same was true in West Ham and yeah you're right this performance isn't very different to the West Ham one even though the entire level of it was higher the opposition level was higher our level was higher but it also wasn't too dissimilar from Wolves or Southampton where we we, we didn't we, we don't we haven't really created clear cut chances this season very often we've created a lot of shooting opportunities but not really high value ones and I think that actually applies to the Leeds game as well some of the finishes in that game from Mason Greenwood from Bruno Fernandes Fred's one was a little more of a, a, a good chance but Fernandes and Greenwood pulled out just really really good finishes that you kind of normally people would miss and that's why we won 5-1 and the same is true for, for Greenwood against Southampton and Greenwood against Wolves and and that's a th- that, that's a thing we've often seen our players finish at such a high level when the chances aren't that good we're not creating chances how many chances in the Villa games do you think oh we absolutely had to score that maybe Pop was header and one of Greenwood's where he kind of scuffed it with the he kind of hit it with the back of his foot rather than the, the inside properly connecting with it and so it was easy for Martinez to save I think those are probably the only two yeah the Greenwood one you're talking about is that the one that came from Fernandez like first time playing over the defence on the counter because that was also I, I, Greenwood did get a shot off there but he had Ronaldo going one, on yeah. the overlap that was a great chance yeah, well, his his first touch was bad, but I think that so that, that that's a good that's a good opportunity to talk about this as well. There was it, it, there there were a lot of really good opportunities to create really good goal scoring chances, yeah. but instead the really good opportunities to create those were instead ended with kind of all right chances to score. So it it, it wasn't that yeah yeah I, th- I think I think that makes sense. No, it does. I was I was just looking back through my my tweets, and 27 minutes into the game, I tweeted saying, you know, playing some good stuff, but our decision making has been terrible. And even at that point, so just under half yeah. an hour in, already there had been Greenwood had a shot when he could have played in Fernandez, he could have squared uh, squared the pass, and Fernandez would have had a 10 yard shot. Yeah, uh, Bruno Pogba and Ronaldo had all shot from 30 yards, as, as had Fred, yep. probably the most yep. ridiculous one of the lot. And that was only after half an hour. It continued throughout the entire game. And I think this is what we've, we've just come back to this so much, haven't we? That I feel like a bit of a broken record at this point. But United are reliant on these moments from the individuals, or you know, from maybe one or two players linking up. And 
we're lucky enough, as I think I said last week, that we have a lot of match winners in this team and in this squad. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time that will be enough to drag us through games like this. I think if you replayed this Villa game, you know, 99 times, we'd probably win it 95, 96 times out of that. Yeah. And so, uh, but, but at the same time, this wasn't, when I say that, often when you say that, when you're a team like United playing, it's a team like Villa. What that entails is a team was sitting back. You were just, you know, at them constantly the entire game. They barely left their half. And then maybe they, they scored a goal on the counter-attack towards the end of the game. Yeah. And that, that wasn't how this game went. We had a lot of chances, but we also conceded just as many. And it sort of comes down to this whole thing that actually, if you are just reliant on these individuals to pull out these moments, if they somehow all manage to have a bit of an off day at the same time, you do leave yourself so exposed because you don't have that sort of system to fall back yeah. on that if, yeah. you know, if Ronaldo and Greenwood and Fernandes are having an off day, you don't have this sort of coherent system around them that can sort of make up for that. It just sort of falls apart. Yeah. And I, I think they absolutely did have an off day. I mean, but I think Bruno played all right. And, and the chance you, you mentioned where Greenwood ran onto it that yeah, first ball. incredible ball. And I, how many times have we seen that from Fernandez? Uh, I've got to say, as, as much as this episode is probably going to be a bit doom and gloom, I love that when there's, there are times when Bruno receives the ball and you know that he's about to play yeah. a first yard, a first time pass. And at least watching it on TV, you can't even see where he's going. You yeah. just know that it's going to be going into space somewhere. And it probably only comes off about two or three times out of 10 in the game. But every time it happens, you, I'm, I'm, immediately you just get excited because you're like, this is either going to go out for a goal kick or we're through on goal. If, if he was playing... Just on that point, if he was playing in football of 10 years ago when goalkeepers didn't come out of their goals as much and that was Martinez had yeah. to come out, I think three, possibly four times to mop up and it was close. Ronaldo and Greenwood were, were really close to, to getting onto the ball. He'd, he'd have an absolute field day playing in, in the old era of football, although his physicality might get tested a little bit more than it. And when centre-backs tended to be a lot slower as well. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, people did have an off day. Apart, Bruno had some great moments, but oh, he obviously missed the key one, the penalty. Mason Greenwood, <laughs> this is what I think, and, and this is probably my big point of the performance is, uh, to me, it was immature in, in a lot of ways. First, uh, on this point, first of all, in terms of the decision-making, which we've spoken about, we had so many shots, but as Solskjaer pointed out, and I thought he, he kind of spoke quite well about what United were bad at, he mentioned that, I think he said 20 from 30, and it, they're not the exact numbers, but so many of our shots were blocked, and it was because of what we've said. Good yeah. opportunities to create good chances weren't taken. It was it, we, we were taking poor shots from good opportunities. And to go back to, um, you mentioned it a, a couple of minutes ago, there was a two-minute period that you mentioned Fernandez taking a long shot, Pogba and Fred. Ronaldo's was after 10 minutes, but Pogba, Fernandez and Fred all took long shots in the space of, I think about 100 seconds, 120 seconds. Now, that, there's two parts of that. A, it's the wrong decision almost always. You're going to score one in, what, 100? If, if that, well, especially for Fred, maybe, maybe slightly better if you're Pogba or Fernandez. Um, but it was also that they had options open. But the fact that that three times United had the ability to shoot from long range, for it to go out for a corner or a goal kick, and then to create the pressure again, which allowed that opportunity to shoot from long range, means United were dominating at that point in the game. We had a lot of the ball. We were keeping it in the right areas. We had a bit of sustained pressure, but we were making the wrong opportunities. And this is yeah. a point about Mason Greenwood, who 
was really good and, and against West Ham he was incredible when he came on and in that game too he probably should have scored he, he had an incredible week at creating the chances uh, not necessarily against West Ham ones. how our tactic wasn't just give the ball to Mason Greenwood every yeah. time we get the chance I don't know he, he had it, uh, I can't even remember the left back's name now was it uh, Johnson I just can't remember his name now but he had him absolutely on toast for yeah. the entire you know, half an hour whatever he was on yeah, if if he'd started that game, we we would have won it. But that's a, another conversation. But yeah, Greenwood created an enormous amount of chances to shoot, even if they weren't high quality. But the problem was sometimes his finishing was off, as in as we've spoken about with the kind of one way hit with his back. He he came cutting in from the left and right footed, and it kind of Martinez didn't really have to move for it when normally you'd see that kind of go far corner from Greenwood. Sometimes his finishing was off. Other times he, he shot when he probably should have passed. And it was, it's weird because that's kind of the opposite Greenwood to what we normally see where his finishing is incredible and he's not as involved in the rest of the game. This was, he was absolutely the heart of everything good United did this week against West Ham and Villa, but his finishing was just a little bit off. I've got to say, this game at certain points against Villa, it felt almost a little bit like it was a second half when you've gone into half-time three or four nil up. It was like every player just wanted to get their name on the score sheet and it was yeah. almost like who can score the best that's, goal. that's the immaturity. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, that is, it's just not acceptable. I've, I, I talk to myself a lot during the game, you know, sort of saying what I think players should do just in my head. And I've, I couldn't tell you the number of times I felt like I went through the, the sort of process of, don't shoot, don't shoot. Oh, you idiot. <laughs> I felt like every five minutes there was a something yeah. coming through there because there was better options all the time. And I think our expected goals in this game was something like 2.2. But actually, it, was, it should have been so much higher than that because XG only measures the shots that you take, not the positions that you get into. And I think if we'd have actually played the, the right passes when we were supposed to, we, our XG should have been somewhere probably closer to five, to be honest. And I think, yeah, your point on Greenwood is spot on. He, he's been, despite the two bad results amazing this week like seriously amazing that impact when he came on against West Ham yeah. he was just he was so many levels above anybody anybody yeah. else in the United shirt on that pitch it was, it was, like, it was honestly um, kind of unbelievable yeah it was as if we'd brought like Cristiano Ronaldo on yeah it really was uh, just a complete another level and every, every, I, don't think, he, I it, don't think he got the ball and it, failed to get past Johnson once when he when he received the ball every yeah. single time. It was just inevitable. And it was just a shame that he think, and his teammates didn't manage to put one of them in the net. Yeah, same was true against Phillips. Just every time he got the ball, he created something. And it all it wasn't always brilliant, but yeah. it, and sometimes he took the wrong decision. But that, that kind of was the problem. And, and what you're saying about everyone kind of going for goal was completely the problem. It was... It was Greenwood, Ronaldo, Fernandez, Pogba. And that includes Greenwood as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, includes him. All going for... It, 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 they were all driving themselves to go for goal. It was four players who, instead of creating chances for... I mean, the, the simple tactic would be for Greenwood, Fernandez, and Pogba to look to create chances for Ronaldo from six yards out. And that's something we've gone for against Newcastle and against West Ham away was a lot of crosses into Ronaldo. It just didn't seem to happen against Villa. It was all kind of me first football of let me drive at this player and once I beat him, let me get a shot away. It was never looking up to find that pass and it, it was all over and, and that was the immaturity. But I also think that comes from, that, that, that's obviously a player failure, but at some point the message needs to come from the coaching staff of what are you doing? We need to, someone needs to take control of this game yeah. and, and there needs to be a, a proper purpose to the attacks where you think that's what United are trying to do. And in, 
it wasn't. It was kind of just this flurry of attacking talent all rushing at the defence. And, and at times they were brilliant and they just let themselves down at the end. And, and fair enough, sometimes you are going to let yourself down at the end. You're not always going to be able to pull off the final ball. You're not always going to make the right decision. That's okay. But over 90 minutes for four players to do the same you got the sense that there hadn't been that really clear instruction as to this is what we're doing. Go out and do it and you'll score. And again, to me, this comes back to not having a system. It showed up against West Ham on Tuesday or Wednesday, sorry, because we came out and you could quite clearly tell that when we rotate, when we have players in there who clearly have less quality than our starters do, they simply don't have the quality to make up for the individual brilliance that they're replacing. And there isn't a system around them to help them sort of slot in to where they're supposed to be. And so the drop-off becomes huge. You know, in the end, we were sort of peppering West Ham's goal towards the, the end of that game. But the first 10 or 15 minutes was was really, really awful against West Ham. And in Villa, it showed up in a slightly different way against yeah. Villa. It was that, you know, as we've said, all four of those players sort of take Fernandes, Pogba, Greenwood, and Ronaldo all had a bit of an off day in terms of their finishing and their decision-making. And what that means is that the way, the way I sort of think about United is that if I compare us to the other three teams that are sort of vying for the title in Liverpool, Chelsea and Man City, I think our ceiling is as good as any of them. Yeah. I think at our best, we are just as good as any of those four teams. The difference though is that I think our floor is so much lower because of this in that if, if again, as I was saying, if Chelsea's, you know, if, I mean, they had it last season. If Werner has an off day, let's say, if Lukaku isn't playing and he can't finish anything, if Havertz and Mounts have an off day, they still look like a coherent team and they're still able to win matches because they have this solid base in terms of the system that's to some degree almost protecting them. It's sort of cocooning them in the same way they're defended as well. Yeah. You know, Rudiger is getting a lot of hype at, the, hype at the moment, would not be this good if he was in a four at the back. I'm but he's not, he's in a three at the back. Yeah with two other central defenders. And so it means that even if, even if they have individually off days, this system is protecting them. It's stopping their bad performances from becoming that bad. And so even on their worst days, they're still able to maybe get a draw or even win the game. United, it's not really like that. We're just so much more volatile because our floor, because we are just relying on, on individuals, when we have these days, our floor, either when they're having, those individuals are playing badly or when we rotate like we did against West Ham, our floor is just so, so bad. You will never see Chelsea, City or Liverpool play as badly as United did in the first sort of 20 minutes against West Ham. And I know that wasn't our, our strongest 11, but still these players just don't have a, a role to slot into that's clearly defined for them. Yeah. And when it's players think, that aren't as good and aren't as used to playing against each other, it can create these just terrible performances. Yeah, we've got a lot more to talk about, but just the, the stats back up what we've been saying as well. We had 22 attempts from open play. Um, and the XG from that was 0.98, so 0.04 per attempt, which is pretty poor. <laughs> At some point, you could, that'd be fine if it was for half an hour and then it was fixed by the coaching staff intervening and saying, look, it is what you got to do. Find your focal point, find... Or if you're already 3-4-0 up. Yeah, but it just didn't. And and this, this is another point, is Jaden Sancho. And now there, there is one caveat to this was the injuries to Sean Maguire were unfortunate not only because of those two going off although actually Shaw looked really off it and Dalla was much better than him and Maguire also looked off it it wasn't because of that but it was also um, it meant we could only bring on one attacking change and it was Cavani and I loved seeing Cavani come on but he is another centre forward like Ronaldo 
and I thought Sancho was the obvious sub for for much of that second half. And I, I think what I find weird is Sancho for three years or two years has been the obvious signing for United because he can play on the right wing. He holds his width. He creates a huge number of shooting chances. He spreads the game massively and he can score himself, but more so than Greenwood. He, he set, he, his focus is always on setting other people up. And with two centre forwards on the pitch and Ronaldo and Cavani, or even if you just say one and Cavani hadn't come on, you need that. You don't need Pogba coming inside all the time or Greenwood always looking for the shot, as good as it might look. Even though they have great moments, you need Jaden Sancho. And I was just shocked to see him come on. I find what's weird is he's gone from being kind of the the Messiah, the 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 piece of the puzzle that United really need in attack of the different player to the rest of them, and yet, okay, he hasn't had a, an incredible start, but I think he's played well, and it surprises me that he's still not playing. And I get you have to try fit Pogba in and try fit Greenwood in, and I understand that. But it, 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 Sancho at least has to come off the bench in these situations. It was it was perfectly built for him. Yeah, I was surprised that he didn't come off to, be, to come on. To be honest, the, the obvious sub around 60, 65 minutes seemed to be you drop Pogba a little bit deeper, you move Greenwood to the left, and put Sancho on the right. I mean, as you said, I know Sancho hasn't been great so far, but I also don't think he's been terrible. There have been flashes. There have been I moments. Think he was great against West Ham, actually. Just to say. Yeah, he was. He, even in some of his worst performances, say against Wolves, there were moments in those games and against Young Boys where you saw what Sancho is and you saw what he can do. It's, I think it's just the case of sort of getting him up to speed with, with this team and, and with the Premier League in particular. It, I, again, sometimes things can look almost too obvious in football, but I couldn't see a reason why Sancho wouldn't come on in that game. I mean, we brought Elanga on to play left-back over him, which again, just didn't really seem to make any sense. It, it was almost just like, how many attacking players can we get on the pitch at one at one time without uh, much of a plan around it? I think it made much more sense to drop Pogba deeper, put Sancho um, on the pitch, move Greenwood to the left, Sancho on the right. And you still got the focal point that Ronaldo provides. It's not as if, you know, it'd be, it'd be a bit different, I think, if we had sort of Greenwood or Rashford playing up front and then Cavani was coming on because he provides a very different threat. But it is largely similar to Ronaldo's. It just... It didn't seem that it, it, it didn't seem particularly difficult to make that decision. I think yeah. most fans could could probably have seen the same thing. Yeah, we've got to see more of him. I just thought, yeah, just so well suited for him. But the the, uh, the injuries obviously didn't help. In an ideal world, and I think this would have happened, you would have brought Sancho and Cavani on together. Um, just an old one, Pogba. Yeah, playing on the left wing a lot and has thrived there in certain games, but in other games he hasn't. And against the back five the space for him to work in in that little pocket just inside from the left wing but not quite in midfield that space just wasn't there it was taken by his reconcer because Villa had five at the back and so Popper frustrated at times some some great moments of course it's the same thing with Shaw as well before yeah. half two it's the same thing Pogba usually drags the full back inside which leaves space for Shaw on the overlap and it just wasn't yeah. there yeah and Shaw did look off it I don't know what his injury is yet and I don't know how long he'll be out for. Hopefully he's back very soon. But he, yeah. do, do you have any idea, this is a small point, but do you have any idea why Tellis wasn't on the bench after playing in midweek? Did he get a knock or was that just a tactical thing? I'm not going to lie, I didn't know. He, I, I didn't see the the bench because I only kind of knew the team once it, it came out in front of me. So uh, no idea, no. Um, I'd imagine. It was, just a, it was just a weird one. Yeah. I, I, I didn't hear anything. I was just surprised. that was, Obviously, didn't think about it at first when Shaw got injured. Yeah. It's just a, a bit of a, an odd one. Yeah, no, that is surprising. Um, but I, it, I thought Dallow did really well when he came on. Really well. 
Um, yeah, it was good. Some great moments in attack and a couple of times where he went to ground a little bit like Wamasaka went to ground when he could have stood up. But yeah, I thought he had a good performance. And it was a big week for him this because I, I said it when we were previewing. The, I was going to say, we're going to need him now. Yeah, I said it when we were previewing the West Ham game. That it was a big week for him because he'd play against West Ham in the League Cup. Then he'd be guaranteed to play against Villarreal because Wan-Bissaka was beat to spend that inexpect he'd have to play against Villa against West Ham he was kind of very average until other good players came on which is I mean you could make of that what you will on the subject of, of fullbacks it brings up a, another yeah I mean just to make one more point on the immaturity of the performance and, and Solskjaer admitted this after uh, I can't remember his exact quote but it was along these lines that we needed someone to slow the game down and we just didn't um, it was it was just constantly rushed and no one dictated the tempo no one really took control of that everyone rushed things Bruno, Pogba um, McTominay, Fred, Greenwood even Ronaldo taking those long shots when he could have passed it or recycled it to keep the pressure up we just played into Villa's hands and I think part of that comes down to a lot of there were quite a lot of useless players on the pitch against Villa, and weirdly, uh, and Wambasaka would often be the culprit of that, and he was in a. It was his kind of he 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 managed to look really good without doing anything. He had some really good footwork. He played out really well with Varane, much better than Maguire and Shaw did. There were some great moments where Wambasaka did really well in tight spaces under pressure. And I was impressed by that, but he also didn't really do anything in the game and. You can't, we can't do that. And the same was kind of true for McTominay as well. He tried very hard. He had some good touches, some good passes, some good moments, but they didn't really do anything. Um, and yeah, that, that's also a problem. But yeah, overall, I just think, I mean, yeah, what questions do we still have is, is it, it, the same ones as before. It's can Solskjaer make the in-game changes required? What are the coaching staff doing enough in the, in the, yeah. on the training ground? And, the weird one is these, this team obviously has leaders, but there was no one there on the pitch to say, no, stop rushing, just calm things down. Even Ronaldo, he did mention it a couple, he, you could see him gesturing a couple of times, but he didn't make his teammates do it. And so kind of all of the same questions still there. It's also a lead by example kind of thing, yeah. isn't it, as well? Like when you, it's all well and good turning to Mason Greenwood and saying, pass me the ball. But then if, if you get the ball 25 yeah, yards yeah. out and you're immediately shooting every time, it's, it's sort of difficult to make that point. Yeah. I think in, in terms of, of what this means, look, I don't think this Villa game in itself is a major disaster. Obviously, it's not a good result and it wasn't a great performance. But if you take this game in isolation, you'd say, as I said earlier, 99 times or you know, 96 times out of 100, we'd win this game. But the problem, I think, is that if you look across the whole season, take the bigger picture, we just, we seem like the same team as last year. And based on the signings yeah, that we've made that, that this was supposed to change it massively this was supposed to make us a, a far better team and allow us to play a better style and it, it just hasn't I mean we've now played eight games this year so we've played Leeds uh, Southampton Wolves then Newcastle Young Boys West Ham West Ham and Villa so we've played eight games and we've played well in two against Leeds and Newcastle and even in those games against Newcastle we were pretty poor for the first 40 minutes until we got the first goal and then sort of ran away with it. Against West Ham in the, in the league, I think we were pretty good for a lot of the game. I, I think we were better than that close ending sort of, uh, sort of showed. But yeah. other than that, it, it's, it's just been, it's been quite the same as last season. That is a been, bit of a worry. I tweeted actually, before, sorry, go on. I, th- I think we've been on the cusp of, of playing well. 
And, and this Villa game is a perfect example. Is loads we, of we've played well in periods, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I also think just as a general point, we've, we've kind of been on that boundary. And, and this is exactly, this agrees with your, the point you're making about the same as last season. That's kind of the same. We've kind of that weird, we're, we're in that bit where two people could, could think completely different things about United. One could say they've played badly and another could say they play well and they're completely justified. Both of them are completely justified to think that. Yeah. Because you could look at that Villa game and you could look at West Ham in midweek as well. And one fan could come away thinking, you know what, that we weren't that bad. We could have just finished our chances and we, we, we'd we be through. Yes, it wasn't vintage United. Yes, it wasn't good enough, but we weren't that bad. We played okay. You could think that about Villa and West Ham, or you could think these are the same issues that have been coming up constantly. There was not enough. The, the in-game management wasn't good enough. There wasn't enough maturity on the pitch. The decision-making was poor. The structure wasn't there. And all of those points on both sides are valid. And the problem is, with the signings of Varane, Sancho and Ronaldo, the scrutiny is at a level where fewer and fewer people will be arguing the positive side because expectations yeah. have been raised as they absolutely should have been. Yeah, we've done everything right to get the squad to where it is and you need to see improvement. And, and we, I just don't think we have. I, I think you're right that there is, we've, we've sort of been on the cusp at times, but that's kind of the problem with this team is that even going back to last season, that's exactly who we are and who we have been. You know, we have 15, 20 minute spurts in games where we look brilliant and, and seriously like brilliant and I think even there were, there were moments against West Ham in the league and towards the end of uh, West Ham and Cup there were moments against obviously Leeds and Newcastle where even against Villa where you know on going forward we look so so good but then five minutes later you turn around and, and we look like we can barely string together five passes and I think it's just that that inconsistency was what these signings were supposed to get rid of it's, and it was to, supposed to allow us to have a better structure to our team to allow us to sort of take that next step and, and we just haven't so far uh, we said at the start of the year after the Leeds game to try and stop ourselves getting too excited that you know talk to us in October for sort of how we would judge this United team now and we're almost there and I think at the moment the signs are pointing to judging this United team the same way we judged last season I, I tweeted before we even conceded to Villa I think it was about 10 minutes before the end of the game that there are some worrying signs here for United you know obviously I think we've we've got, kind of got away with this to some extent because we've had a relatively easy start to the season and so the table still looks okay and despite our, our loss everyone else other than Man City who are already a little ways behind dropped points at the weekend but yeah. you know, given the fixtures we've had, the fixtures everyone else has had, there, there there is some potential worry in science here. We could easily go on a great run, and it wouldn't matter. You know, United under Solskjaer Absolutely, proved yeah. before that they yeah. could. When our backs are against the wall, we off, that's often when we play best. But just I think the first what sort of six weeks now of the season, I think there are there have been some positive signs, but there've also been signs that we are still the same team that we were six months ago. Yeah. And we have been slow starters before. Last season was slightly different. It was very much understandable. This season, less so. But United have been slow starters under many managers and then got on a brilliant run. And we're in an okay position. We're one point off the top joint with a lot of other teams. And that's all right for now. The problem was our, our fixtures relatively were easier than against others. But some, we could have a great run of big games as we've had under Solskjaer, as we once had under Mourinho, under Van Gaal. So... We could look at, but this is the point. We beat Villarreal and Everton, but also go on and do good after that. Then this is a stumbling block in a all right start to the season that was kind of a fine foundation, if not brilliant. Otherwise, it's a bit more concerning. 
but we'll see. Um, I think I think we're lucky that a lot of the other top teams have played each other and taken points off of each other because you know I think if if there was one team that you know was out there say had eighteen points yeah. now from six games. It, I think we'd probably be looking at this with a bit more panic, but because we're still only yeah, one point yeah. off of Liverpool, well, I, we could we could be two points off Brighton. We might be top of the league after yeah. tomorrow night. But, you know, because we're only one point off Liverpool, I think there were, there's still some element of calm and that, like, we're still in this. You know, there's just some, some games to come. And, it, and obviously they're hard games, but they're also hard games for the opposition. They're, it's a chance to take points directly off of rivals. You know, it, it's not and- the end of the world. It's just that... The, the bigger picture of sort of like where is this team heading it's it's tough to say that it, it definitively we're heading in the right direction yeah, but moment. also looking at rivals Liverpool drew to Brentford City drew with Southampton these games happen if this is the only yeah. one then fine and we said I remember us, we, we've spoke so much Harry in the last year or so that it's not normal that yeah. teams need 95 points to win the league and that at some point that was probably going to change and maybe this is the year maybe there are genuinely four teams that are going to be just fighting for the league and necessarily that probably means they're yeah. going to be not only taking points off each other but it seems like the mid-table teams because of fans coming back those yeah. games have got so much harder as well maybe this will be a season where 83, 85 points is enough to Absolutely. win the league and I think that suits United because we are not consistent enough to get to 95 yeah. I think someone asked me what how could you see United winning the league? And I've, uh, the only way I can see it happening is if it, it's kind of based on the big six table of if United can do really well against the other title challengers and they can all beat each other or draw with each other. Yeah. Obviously that's not something you can control. It, it comes down to like Which is what we're seeing so yeah. far as well. Yeah. And it, but yeah, the, the, the problem is can United do well enough in games, not against the big teams to have a good run in those and that be enough and and we shall see the the the, yeah. the, the truth is people people don't know we, yet. we said in our in our season sorry my last my last point is that we said in our season prediction episode that it's more it's easier to predict a points total for united than a yeah. position finish and i think we both said sort of mid 80s is where we or mid to low 80s is where we expect united to finish in terms of points and I still think that's true. And so really where that puts us comes down to how many points we're able to take off the direct rivals and how many points they take off each other. And also just how much, how many more points the rest of the league takes off these top teams. I think it's sort of been underestimated that the impact of no fans for the last couple of years has meant that games like away yeah, at Brentford, absolutely. like Liverpool just had, becomes that much more difficult now. And so I think we probably will see those teams come back to the rest of the league a little bit. And so maybe 85, 86 points will be enough to win the league. And I, I still think United are on that track. It's just, you know, will Chelsea go on a crazy run? Will Man City go on a crazy run? Will yeah. Liverpool go on a crazy run? And if they do, I don't think we're consistent enough to match that. That's sort of where I'm, yeah, I'm at. Absolutely. At Final note on that game. Good to see David De Gea coming out and, and doing the post-match interviews because he was taking responsibility yeah. on the pitch with his uh, berating of Harry Maguire after that terrible back pass and he's taking it off the pitch as well and I think that's something we really want to see from De Gea he's had a good start to the season and this was a point Andy Mitten made on uh, the Athletics United podcast recently fans don't really feel like they know David De Gea and he's actually a really interesting person when you read interviews with him and loves playing the drums and love, there's a lot to him it's, it would be nice if we knew him more and it, I think it would help 
with the uh, his, his reputation, but he's he's done well a couple of crucial saves as well. Let's talk very very quickly. Uh, we're running out of time about the Champions League game in week. The cliche is you have to win your home games. We play Villarreal at home on Wednesday. They'll, I mean, we've only ever drawn with them before. The only difference we've had five games, and the only difference was obviously in the most recent one on penalties in Europa League final. They will come to Old Trafford and set up to sit back, which really isn't the game United need right now. But as you mentioned, we have a knack of pulling out a result when we really need one under Solskjaer. In terms of the team, I'd go with Matic in midfield to give us a better control of the tempo. I thought that was one of the key problems against Villa to have a base to build on. And then with the knowledge yeah. that Villarreal are going to sit back and the knowledge that Varane gives you some pace in defence, I think you can play Matic and two and some slightly more attacking midfielders. So you can have Pogba in there with him, possibly even Van der Beek. Um, and then I'd start Jaden Sancho, I'd start Greenwood, I'd start Ronaldo and, and obviously Bruno as well. Um, but I think we have to have a, a, we have to have purpose in attack. We can't just have six individuals running at people and trying to find a shot at the end of that. And I think Sancho will be crucial to that. Yeah, I like the team you suggested. I think Matic and Pogba in midfield makes sense. We've seen them work as a partnership before. And I mean, against a team that's going to sit back as much as I expect Villarreal to, that's not, you just, you don't really need Fred or McTominay in there at this point. I'd love to see Sancho start. I, I just, I honestly want to see him just sort of get a run of uh, just two or three games at, at right midfield because he hasn't yet. I think I don't think he's has he started two games in a row yet. I don't think he has. Maybe he decided the international break but that was obviously split up, and he, he definitely hasn't started two games at at right midfield. He's played on the left quite a lot. You know, I, I just want to see him to get more of an opportunity in there because I, like I said, it, the I wouldn't say he's done well so far, not at all. But there have been moments where I've seen. It, what I've seen from Sancho in a Dortmund and an England shirt in the past and I, I want to see him sort of grow into that role and it's going to be harder and harder to get him that run of games once Rashford comes back from injury probably yeah. in the next month or so so you know I think now is the time to, to, to play him give him those opportunities I mean yeah it's I, I, I would dread to think what the reaction might be like in Old Trafford if this is nil-nil or we're losing at yeah. say 60 minutes because I think I think it could get pretty pretty jittery and and maybe kind of a hostile crowd at that it's point. It's a big because game. I think yeah. the frustration, yeah, the frustration is there. You, you said in your intro this week, either he's going to look like a, a very small stumbling block in the rearview mirror, or sort of the start of a serious downturn. And I think this game is is massive for that, not just for that sort of bigger picture, but also just in the Champions League. It's yeah. very very difficult to qualify if you lose your first two games especially when one's at home and one's against the on paper the weakest team in the group yeah and it's it's really I mean it's one of the worst games we could have to play now Villarreal at home in the Champions yeah. League it's it is a tough one yeah but you know both, anyway, both in terms of sort of the the story of it in terms of losing to yeah. the Europa League final and also in terms of tactically how they play yeah it all just sets up for an uncomfortable evening to say the least and it reminds us of how important a, a trophy would be just to give some breathing space imagine we were yeah. playing Villarreal well obviously we wouldn't be because they wouldn't be in the Champions League if they hadn't won but say we were playing Villarreal now in the Champions League and it would the story would be oh this is a competition night went out of but then they went on to win the Europa League and just be more breathing space it's a a, a parallel it would have also made the would have also made the West Ham defeat in midweek slightly easier to take as well because now yeah then you might might be able to look at it like well you know it's not ideal but a few less fixtures to play but now it's well that's potentially the easiest quote unquote route to a trophy gone yeah just on West Ham very quickly on a positive note uh, and we won't mention Martial for now but on a positive note 
uh, Anthony Lanka was fantastic when he came on. Greenwood was obviously great when he came on, but also Van der Beek and Henderson had good games as well. And that, I think that's yeah. worth mentioning. I thought that was probably Van der Beek's best game, maybe since his debut for United, honestly. Yeah. I thought he was very good. And yeah, Henderson at the end was, I mean, apart from his, uh, his chip through ball. Yeah. Yeah. It was a shame to go out, but at least we won't have to get beaten by City in the semi-final this year. So there is that. Well, or in the fourth round, because West Ham have been given yeah, that. Absolutely. That we probably would have won if we if we played them earlier than the semi-final, we probably would beat them, but the, the over two legs bit <laughs> never helped us. Anyway. But then we'll lose to like Stoke or something in the quarterfinal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Right, we'll wrap up there. Um, enjoy your week, everyone. Enjoy the Villarreal game, hopefully. And Everton as well. Another two consecutive home games. That's four in a row. Pretty mental at Old Trafford right now. Um, two defeats so far. Let's hope these two <laughs> will be wins. For more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. And if you go there, you can find out information about how to become a patron of the podcast and uh, get access to our bonus Q&As at the end of every show, which we're about to go into. But for everyone else, have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Network.